Chris, thank you for sharing that. I know um, it's, it's touched us all, and, and, and your, your faith in, in has you know, been so steadfast. You've just been, been a mighty warrior, man. So we, we love you, and this church loves you. And uh, we just want to present these to you this year as the, the checks and the funds that came about um, through the benefit and through everyone's giving and contributions, and uh, you know, right around $32,000. So <laughs> congratulations. We love you, bud. Okay, let me go ahead and dismiss in prayer. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, yes. Chris, that was outstanding, man. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, wow. So we're going to continue with when God doesn't make sense, right? I think we all know that sometimes God just doesn't make sense. It, it, it actually gets agitating, aggravating, frustrating. And sometimes you just want to throw up your hands and be like, really, God? Really? Where, where are you? I'm not seeing this. Well, I got to admit something here for a second. And that is this. We're approaching one of the most. Okay, so my grammar is going to be really awful on this because I just messed it up. But we're approaching one of the seasons where I pray the most. Baseball. All right, football. I'm a big football fan. Yeah, basketball. Could deal without soccer. Really? It's a sport. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I just turned some of you off. You know, you're like, you wanted me to be a member? It's not happening now, all right? No, but baseball, I love baseball. And uh, it's, it's bad. It, I mean, it is bad for me. It's bad because, you know, ever since I was a kid, man, I, you know, I'm a huge O's fan, all right? Do I, any Oriole fans? You better be an Oriole fan, all right? If you're a Yankee fan, we'll pray for you, all right? <laughs> I can deal with the Red Sox. But anyway, so, you know, I, during baseball season, you know, I, I sit there, and if it's a close game, you know, my wife, well, she's not in here, but she can, I'm, you know, I'm biting, you know, I'm, I'm praying, dear God, please, dear, don't strike out here, you know, or, or let's give a strike, you know. And so, you, you know, all kidding aside, you know, sometimes we pray over silly things, don't we? Kind of, you know. I mean, you really think God cares that I'm an Oriole fan? Probably not. He's probably going, why, you know. <laughs> But uh, I want to continue with the message series, When God Doesn't Make Sense. And, you know, it'd be funny because as a kid, when the O's would do something great after I prayed, I'd be like, look, Dad, see, that's why I prayed. You know, my dad's a pastor, and he's just probably like, I've taught you nothing, you know. But um, go ahead and turn in your Bibles. I'm going to give you a head start, as I typically do. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, I'm just going to start at verse 7 on that. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 7. But um, anyway, so I'm going to move on here. So today we're going to look at, uh, last week we looked at John, John the Baptist. Did not like how that story ended. All right, bad news for him. Wasn't great. But we got a good lesson from it. We got a good message from an understanding that God's purpose needs to prevail. God's purpose is more important than our plan. And just because we see an ending doesn't mean it's necessarily going to go that way. God sees an ending and guess what? It's going to go the way that God wants it, all right? But today we're going to look at the life of Apostle Paul and one specific story. And we're going to bring out three different thoughts about him. And the first one is this. So if you're writing this down, you might want to write it down. It's this. True prayer isn't about getting our way, but it's, also, it's often about surrendering 
our will. All right, so let me repeat that. True prayer isn't about getting our way, but it's often about surrendering our will. It's not just getting to God and, and, and saying, God, this is what I need you to do. This is what I want. This is what I'm expecting. It's often surrendering to the will of God. Now, you know, it actually becomes a little bit of a touchy subject. And I think what we need to do in our prayer time is not so much come to God with, Lord, I've figured this out for you, so this is the answer that I need. You know, I need that job. I need that relationship. I need you to intervene in this situation or that situation. Or, you know, maybe what we need to do is take a different way about it and say, God, it's not about what my plan is and what I'm desiring and what I'm wanting, but I want your will to be done. God's will is so much more important and grander than your plan. Let me, let me repeat that. God's will is so much more important and so much larger, so much grander, so much whatever word you want to use as an adjective there, than what your plan is. Now, Jesus taught us also this. In fact, he said this. He said, when he was praying to Lord, to, to God, to his Father, he said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is a prime example of understanding that it's not necessarily what my want is, but rather it's what your will is, God. Understand this. Our wants bring happiness. We, we know that. If you, you want a million dollars and you got a million dollars right now, you would be thrilled until you went bankrupt because you didn't know how to handle the money. You see, our wants can bring happiness. You know, you want a new car, you got it until somebody hits it. And now you're looking at that car and it's not happy. Your wants can bring happiness for a moment. What we don't understand sometimes, though, is that God's will brings happiness for a lifetime. Let me repeat that. God's will will bring you happiness for a lifetime. Now, in our minds, sometimes when God is intervening in our situations, in our life struggles, and even in our good times, our bad times, when, when God is intervening in them, there's often times that we're not seeing God in it because we're looking with our physical eye. And so what happens is, is we're seeing things that we don't like. We don't like the struggle, but God has an intent because he's going to teach you. We don't like lacking anything, but sometimes God has an intent there so that you will become more appreciative of. You see, God's will will bring a lifetime of happiness. Your plan will only bring a season of it. True prayer isn't just about getting from God what we're wanting. It's often surrendering our will to what God wants. See, the Apostle Paul would actually discover this. And if there's anyone who deserved an answered prayer in the latter days of his life, it would be the Apostle Paul. Now understand, in his backstory, we understand that Paul hated Christians. He, he was horrible toward them. He killed Christians. He despised them. But a miraculous conversion had taken place in his life. And he began to follow Christ. He began to love God. He was, became one of what many of us would say is the most effective Christians 
in the history of this world. I mean, this guy, he was amazing. He, did, he, he preached all over the world. He wrote about half or more of the New Testament. He traveled on ships for about 20 years, taking the gospel to every part of this world that he could get to. He had visions. He raised the dead. But with all of that, he also paid an incredible price. Paul was stoned for his faith. He was shipwrecked. He was snake-bitten. He was beaten with rods. He was left for dead. They thought he was dead. And then he was whipped again five different times. Now, understand something. When they whipped back in that day, it was a, a whipping would be 39 lashings. 39 lashings. They wouldn't do the 40th because if the person died 40 or more, that was considered murder. But if they died within that 39, that was their judgment. So, but five different times, this same individual went through these beatings. Now, you imagine what his back looked like. I'll leave it right there on that one. He was in prison. He endured more than what you and I could have ever imagined for his faith. Think of, for a moment in your own life when the moments of your faith have lacked. I guarantee it wasn't because you were whipped, beaten, snake-bitten, thrown in prison for your faith. It was something that was petty. But what was his reward for all of this? What was his reward for going through all of this? Did God make sense? No. In this moment, God did not make sense in our mind. This is another story where I'm not happy with the ending. You see, if I was God and I, I seen this man who was raising the dead, preaching the gospel, he was suffering persecution for my word. I would be like, all right, I owe this guy something. I owe him something. I'm going to make sure his latter years are better than his former. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. I'm going to read through them all, then we're going to break them down right quick. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, this is Paul speaking. He's saying, before I become conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Stop right there. Don't move ahead. No, no, stop. Go. No, you done messed up. Go back one more. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. This is God speaking. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And, and, and here we go. Therefore, I will boast all more gladly. Here we go. We got Paul. He says, I'm boasting gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Okay, move forward now. Thanks. He'll kill me later. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 shows us the challenging portion of Scripture that Paul takes on. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was giving a thorn in my flesh, a, message, a messenger of Satan to torment me. That's a challenging text right there. Those are challenging words he's speaking. Satan has brought something into this guy's life. And, and God, watch this, 
allowed it. We've seen this many times throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, where God has allowed things. But when God allows something to happen, God uses it for his, for his glory. God uses it to keep him from becoming conceited, or what? Keep him from becoming proud, or becoming selfish. Now, what is the thorn? When we, when we see in that verse 7 that, that a thorn has been placed in his side, what may that thorn be? Well, we really don't know. We're not really sure what the thorn is, but what is interesting in the Greek, the word is translated as thorn can also mean a stake. It's called scallops. And whenever they would actually kill a person by running a stake through their body, that's the word that they would use. Now, this thorn could also mean a stake. It could mean uh, something that's agonizing, something that was tormenting him. It, it could be, many scholars believe it, it, it could be a heart condition. Um, maybe he walked with a limp. Um, maybe he had a speech impediment because it, it was said that when Paul was writing one of the epistles, he mentioned in one of his writings that he was doing it in very large letters. Now, many of us in this room, we've experienced thorns in our lives. Now, don't look at the person to the left or to the right. Don't even breathe on them. All right? But many of us in life, we've experienced thorns, experienced things that are just, they just don't seem to go away. They're just there, constantly nagging and bugging us. And it don't matter how many times you've prayed. You've prayed, you've prayed, you've prayed, and you've prayed. But it seems like it's not leaving. And this is what was happening with, with Paul. We need to remember that prayer just isn't about getting our way. But sometimes it's about surrendering our will and saying, God, even though I really wish you could do this and you're not, I'm choosing to trust you. You see, sometimes God doesn't make sense. Many times we've gone to God and we've prayed and we've had real needs, real issues, real struggles, real hardships. And we've prayed to God, but we've not heard an answer. The second thing you need to remember is this, and I want to point out is this thought. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control and it keeps us close to the one who is. See, sometimes we don't understand the thorns that we're going through in life. If we didn't have them, maybe we wouldn't be praying. And if we're not praying, then we're not keeping an open communication between us and God. And if we're not keeping an open communication between us and God, then most likely his presence has not been invited into our life into our situations. Second um, Corinthians chapter eight says this, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times, God, please. Three times, Lord, I'm begging, I'm pleading. Now in my mind, we're probably thinking three times, that's not much. Pastor Kevin, you don't understand, I've been praying over something for years and years over a struggle. This doesn't mean he only prayed three separate occasions. It's three seasons of prayer that have taken place here. Three seasons of intense prayer. Three times he is going to God in seasons of prayer, nonstop praying, 
God, help me with this. God, I need relief from this. God, I need you in this. This is what Paul is saying. I begged, I pleaded, I fasted. I've sought after God. Please take this away. I wonder how many of us in this room have been like Paul in moments, in seasons in life, where we can actually say to ourselves and look in the mirror and confidently say, I have pleaded with God time and time and time. Believe me, I'm going somewhere with this, people. Time and time and time. I have pleaded with God. And I just don't understand why he's not answering my prayer. You know, last week we talked about God's purpose will prevail over our plan. That's great. But it still stinks. I'm still struggling. Because when I'm, when I'm in the presence of God, I can understand what you're saying, Pastor Kevin. When I'm here in the church service, I, I, I can understand what you're saying. But when I leave here and I'm in the real world, not to say this isn't, but I'm in the real world where, where, where things are coming at me. Temptations are flowing at me. Problems are happening in my family. We're not getting along. Struggles are really real. When I'm in those places, it's hard for me to see God's purpose prevail and my plan be cast aside. See, some of us may be in a season like that right now. God, please save my marriage. Hold it together. God, please take away the pain that my body is suffering. God, please, I need a job. I need a relationship. I'm pleading. I'm trusting in you. I'm seeking after you, God. Please take this away. I'm only asking you to do what I've seen you do to others. God, I'm only praying what I've seen you and heard the pastor speak about your scriptures. God, why aren't you answering my prayer in my deepest, darkest, most intimate moment right now? Lord, I am lower than low, and I need you, Lord, to answer my prayer. Where are you, God? Have you been there? Have you been in that moment where things have gotten so desperate so that you couldn't hardly even look at yourself in the mirror because you're going, God, where are you right now? I am struggling, and I'm not feeling you. You see, there's a reason that God allows us to go through so many of these struggles. There's a reason sometimes why God doesn't really make sense. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says this. Paul speaking, please do this, God. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect and weakness. But God, you know what? Why don't you just do this one thing? Watch this. God, I could serve you more if you would just answer my prayer. It's almost like if we had, if, if we had all of our needs and wants answered and taken care of, we probably wouldn't turn to God, now would we? God says, no, not this one. He gives an excuse. My grace is going to be enough. What does that even mean? Think about it. What does it mean, my grace? 
Isn't grace what brings forgiveness of sin? We're saved by grace. Grace forgives us of our sin. We need to understand that grace is more than just for forgiveness. In fact, the word that is translated here as, as, as grace here is this. So let, me, let me pronounce this correctly. Kairos. It's used 155 times in the New Testament. And this is what it truly means. Undeserved favor. So when God is saying, my grace is sufficient, he's saying, look, you are getting undeserved favor, and that is enough. That is all you need. That is enough. Grace is when God freely extends himself, leaning and reaching to us because he's disposed to bless and be near us. Think about this. A scholar wrote this. He said this. It is when God freely extends himself that he leans in and he's reaching us. It's the leaning in of God. That's what our prayer is about. God understands. He created us. He understands that if all of our needs and wants, desires were all answered in the plan that we desire or have laid out before him, he understands that we're not going to seek his presence because there wouldn't be a need. You see, we go through difficulties and struggles understanding this, that God desires our presence and he wants your attention and he's looking for your love. The Bible wasn't written for you to be glorified. The Bible was written for God to be glorified. The Bible was not written for you to be glorified, but the Bible was written for God to be glorified. Now, we need to recognize that prayer just isn't about getting our way, but it's about surrendering our will to God. What we have to know is that God does not exist to serve us, but we exist to serve him. You know, we'll take on the attitude, well, if God doesn't do this, then I'm out. <laughs> I guess you're the boss. Good for you. Prayer reminds us that we are not in control. And it keeps us close to the one who is. Think about it for a moment. When you get into that moment of prayer. Into one of those seasons like Paul was going through. I'm not talking about the prayer before you give your, you know, your meal or before you take your kids to bed. I'm talking about that prayer when you are on your knees. And you're saying, God, where are you? God, in this moment, I need you more than ever. When you're in that moment and, 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 and you're here in this service and, and we're worshiping God and, and it doesn't matter who's around or, or what else is around you or what is even being sung, all you know is, is I'm giving you everything right now, God. Because my life isn't perfect. And I understand that you weren't, I was not made for you to glorify me. But I was made so that I may glorify you. And, and, and sometimes it doesn't make sense, God, when you don't answer my prayers. 
But it's those unanswered prayers that keep me on my knees. It's those unanswered prayers that keep me coming into this building week after week, learning and getting more in tune with God. It's those times when I feel like God's not answering that keeps me in his presence. Because just like Paul, I'm not going to give up. I don't know what God's will is down the road, but maybe right now it's not to answer that prayer the way I expect it in this moment. But I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep pursuing. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep going after him. You see, God put a thorn in Paul's side. Why? To keep him in tune with him. To keep that man on his knees, understanding that he's not greater than me. His ways are not bigger than my ways. Not allowing him to allow pride to intervene. Not allowing conceitedness to intervene. Not allowing all of this to, to intervene. No. God put it there so that he would continue to stay on his knees and to stay in prayer. You see... Here's what's so interesting about God. And this is what blows my mind sometimes. He knows how you're worked. He knows what works you. He knows what will set you off. He will knows what will keep you committed. And don't think one moment he doesn't love you enough to make you suffer to keep you involved in him. See, I told you last week, sometimes this, this, this series isn't going to be one that's going to be pump you up and make you feel great. And you're going to want to run the aisles. It's one that you need to be taught the truth. I know what will set me off. I know what makes me happy. Sometimes God doesn't fulfill that need and that want. Because if he did, I wouldn't have no need for him. But in those moments when I feel like God's not answering. In those moments when he goes, you know what? I know how you're designed. I know the very blueprint because I created you. And I have to have you go through this in order for you to stay committed to me. See, that's how Paul was. He hated Christians. He was flamboyant about it. And God had to keep something on him to keep him with him. So the third thing is this prayer isn't just about asking, but it's trusting. It's not just about asking, but it's trusting God. My, my question here is, do you really trust God? In this setting, it's perfectly fine to say yes, absolutely. But there's times I just want to look, okay, God, what are you doing? Do you not have a clue? <laughs> really? Do you not have a clue, God? You want me to do what? You know, and um, in college, talking about, speaking about trust, I joined a fraternity. And um, Bible college, okay, so it's all good. We drank water. <laughs> it's a joke. You'll get it later. All right, so I joined a fraternity in college. And um, we, we, had, uh, you know, we had to go through a week of initiation, and we had some crazy things. I, I was married to a cinder block for a week. I had to carry it around everywhere I went. You know, I, I think there was one time I had to hug a tree for like three hours in the middle of the campus, just, just hug it. That's stupid, isn't it? Why, why? Just so we can be accepted? That's just it's ridiculous. But the last test, if you made it that far, was we had this building that was probably about as high as these TVs were, the, the roof of it. And so the, the brothers, all right, 
would all be underneath of it. And, and it, was, it, was a, it was just a faith, it was a trust drop, faith drop. You know, you, you fell backwards in it. And I remember, you know, going to it. And they wake you up at like 3 o'clock in the morning. It's really pointless, you know. I, I still can't believe. I, I sit there and think about it. I'm like, really, why did I even go through that mess? What has it got me today? Nothing, okay. I got a T-shirt somewhere, all right. But I remember, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning, you're pounding your door. They're dragging you out of bed, and you got to go out. And it's freezing cold. And, and it's the last night, and they're making this big hoopla. You know, they're all excited. And us inductees were just like, oh, we just want to be over with at this point. So they take us to this building, and we see this building. We're like, what do we got to do with this thing? Hug it? You know, I don't know, you know. And they're like, you got to get up there, and you got to fall backwards and trust us that we're going to catch you. And I'm like, you kidding me? You know, is it really worth it? And my, my one, my, so a couple of guys just walked away. They're like, I'm not even, you know. And so there, you know, there's like 10 of us there, and, you know, they're like, all right, I guess you guys are going to be the ones to do it. And we're like, yeah, we'll do it. So they're like, who's first? I was like, I'm getting this out of the way now. You know, I'll run up there and I'm not lying, you know, sweating. It's like freezing cold, sweating, scared to death. I just want to please, you know what, if they drop me, I'm dead. So I'm with, I'm with God. So it's all good. You know, so I'm thinking in my head, get up there, fall backwards. They catch you. Your heart's, you know, out of your mouth at this point. Yay. I made this great fraternity, right? You got to trust God. It's easy. Some it's, it's, you know, it's easy to say, but sometimes God, trusting him, is even more scary than trusting those guys that were under there trying to catch me. Because see, in that moment, I could see where the end was. And I could see who was going to catch me, and they better catch me, I hope. But sometimes in life, we're called to trust God. And we're on that building and we're falling. We're falling. Some of us are still on the ledge because we're looking at it and going, I can't do this. I can't trust him. I just can't trust him. I, it's got to be in my power. There's got to be an easier way. There's got to be a better way to come off this thing. There's got to be an easier way to get out of this struggle. And God's sitting there the whole time going, just trust me. I've got you. When you fall, I'm going to catch you. And everything's going to be fine. But we don't like the path that we have to take. It's so much easier to climb down the ladder and be like, all right, hold me now, God. Because that was in my control. It's so much more difficult to get on that ledge and to see those empty promises that have not been fulfilled yet. To see those struggles that you're going through. And just to say, God, here they are. And allow them to catch you. You see, Paul understood it. He understood it because 9 and 10, he says this, hey, because of this. And now I'll read it up here. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults. Go back to 9, please. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For not when I am weak, I am made strong. When we are weak, you know, 
I told a story last week uh, about my brother Wayne, who had passed away. And I'm just going to expand on it just a tad bit here. But I remember when he was placed in a hospital. And when he was placed in that hospital, in my mind, I was like, this is just another visit. A couple days, he'll be out. We'll be back to normal again, living life a couple weeks, then he'll be back in. It'll be the same thing over and over and over again. Never really, you know, understanding the concept of death in this moment. And, and I remember, you know, people were coming to the hospital and praying and, and things weren't looking really good. But I still, in my mind, kept thinking, this is just, just for a little while. He's going to come out of this. Everything's going to be fine. You know, we've all been in a situation like that. We've all been in a, in a time where, you know what, God, this is going to be fine. You're going you're to answer it exactly how I need you to answer it. Your will is going to catch up to my plan, God. That's what's going to happen. You're going to have so much compassion for me that your will is going to catch up to my plan. Forgetting of the compassion that he's already given us through his son, Jesus Christ. But I remember in those moments, I, I can see some of it in my head, even while I'm talking to you. And seeing my brother there, all these machines hooked up to him. Not thinking this could be the moment. This, this might be the end of the road. And the day goes on. And, you know, it was, it was getting a little bit more serious. And then the second day, all right, you know, wow, there, a, lot of, a lot of people are coming by. And I was still like, it's my brother. He's going to be fine. We, we go through this. This is our family. This is what we do. We're used to this. We've had three years of it. It's become a part of us. But you know what? It didn't end the way I wanted it to end. He didn't come out of that hospital. He's not sitting here today. No. He's in heaven. And I'm so grateful for that. But in that moment, I didn't understand. And I couldn't see where God was really working. Now, I explained to some of you that him and I had no relationship, really, up until his sickness. And now looking back, I can see God's hand move and worked in that because him and I had that relationship. Now, I believe for other people, there's another perspective that they can see. My parents could probably see a whole different perspective. Looking back on it, seeing God's hand move. I've also had other things happen in my life. That I've sat there and I've thought, God, where are you? Where? I don't see you in this. And guess what? It didn't end the way I wanted it to. But now looking back on it, I can see God's hand moving and working. You see, it's not always about your want. But it's about his will. You see, I've taken a turn in my prayer life. In the sense of God, it's not what I want, but now my prayers are, God, what is what I want is your will. That's what I want. I want your will. In my weakness, Lord, you are strong. In my struggles, God, you are strong. 
Because watch this. When we are in a season of prayer, I'm sorry, I'm keeping you, and I, I really don't mean... But when we are in a season of prayer, when we are in that moment with God and we are becoming desperate for him and we are becoming desperate to get his attention, we're becoming desperate to get him to bring answer prayer, that's when his presence is there. That's when God is leaning in. So, think about this. Is your unanswered prayer or is that thorn Worth God's presence. Is it worth God's presence in your life? Yes, the answer. Yes, 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 yes. And a thousand times, yes. It's worth every single hardship I have gone through and every single hardship I will go through moving forward. Nothing is greater, nothing is more intimate, nothing is more powerful, nothing is more special than God's presence. Amen? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Paul understood that it's about God's will and not his. Paul understood that. So much so that it's been communicated to us that it's about God's will and not our own. Listen, I'm not trying to make light of the unanswered prayers that you have in your life because it hurts. Struggles are real. But I can't help but to say I'm glad for you. And I'm glad for me. This message almost doesn't make sense, does it? Because God sometimes just doesn't make sense. In our minds, we would think, well, God, if you could answer more prayer, I would get closer to you. But God is drawing us in. With Paul... He said, look, I'm, I'm placing this thorn. I'm going to allow Satan to put that thorn to keep from pride, to keep you from being conceited, to draw you closer to me every day. You know, I, I don't understand some of the things that have happened in my life. I don't understand some of the things that have happened in your life. I don't know what the purpose was for you. I can see one of the purposes in my life. I get to be here. I've seen where God's hand moved. You know, sometimes you don't get your answer right away, but it could be years down the road, generations down the road even, where God begins to fulfill what his will was. Don't lose heart. Don't go, God, I I don't understand it, and because of that, I'm done. I mean, you're not the boss. You're not the ruler of of mankind. You didn't create this world. You have no right to say that. The Bible wasn't created to glorify you. The Bible was created so that we would glorify him. And Paul understood in my struggle, in my problem, Lord, I am still gonna glorify you. 
So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be very bold, very bold. And I'm asking you to be bold. Who in here has a thorn? Raise your hand. Keep your hand up. Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. And Lord, in this room and through the sermon series, Lord, that you're speaking to us, we understand that sometimes (laughs) you just don't make sense to us. We don't understand. But God, today, Lord, you have shown us through your scriptures with your servant, Paul, who God, you allowed a thorn to be in his life so that he wouldn't allow pride or so that he wouldn't be conceited. And God, I understand that you allow thorns in our lives for the same purpose so that we will draw closer to you. Today, Lord, our prayer is not what we want. We're not asking for anything of our plan. We're asking, Lord, that your will, your will, your purpose, your desire, and your plan to be fulfilled in our lives. And God, that means no matter what we need to go through, we will go through it and we will give you the glory and we will give you the honor and we will give you the praise. Even when the struggle is real, God, we are still gonna worship you and we are still gonna praise you, God. Even sometimes, Lord, where we don't understand and we just throw up our hands and we say, God, where are you? We're not going to lose our sight off of you. So every individual in this room, Lord, right now, who says, yes, I've got a thorn. That, Lord, we don't come before you saying, oh, look at me with my thorn. Look at me with the problem that I have that just doesn't seem to be getting answered. Look at me with the issues in my marriage. Look at me because I hate my job. Look at me because I'm broke all the time because I don't know how to spend it wisely. Look at me because I fail in all of my relationships because it's all about me, me, me. No, Lord, we look at you today with our problem and we glorify you in it. Say, God, thank you. Because in my weakness and the insults and the struggles, and my doubts, you are strong and you will remain strong. And because God, when we go through these struggles and and we don't see you anywhere around, we know there's a day where we will look back and we will see, I see God's hand moving and how it moved. And thank God for my problem. Thank God for my thought. So Father, we love you and we praise you in this house today. We worship you in Jesus' name, amen. See, grace is what changed Paul's life. Understanding that he had undeserved favor. When you leave here today, understand that you have undeserved favor in your life, amen? We're going to end this way. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. And we ask, God, that you would continue to keep your hand upon each and every one. Love them, be with them, protect them. But most importantly, Lord, let your will be done. And all this, Father, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like personal prayer, 
can come forward. I'll be glad to spend some time with you. Have a good day. Lord, I need you. Oh.